0: Enjoy the message.
1: Good morning and welcome to Day Spring. My name is Nestor Flores and here with me I have Angel Juarez. While we get ready uh, I want to give a shout out to those that are in the chapel. Uh, we can hear you so if you if you shout We'll hear you in here. So if you're in the chapel, I know you're about 30 seconds behind us, but whenever you hear this, give us a shout so that we can hear you in here, that you're out there. Isn't that right, church? Hey, hey. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. As I said, uh, this is Angel Juarez.
2: Good morning. So good to see everyone this morning.
1: We want you to know that you look beautiful. You look beautiful. You look you look, you look wonderful. You know, today, being Easter, we, we celebrate the display of God's power. I don't know if you've ever thought about how great God's power is, but I'll give you an idea. It has to be great enough to raise somebody from the grave. It takes a lot of power to bring somebody back to life. But the awesome thing is that that power not only raised Jesus from the grave, but the Bible tells us that that same power is available for us. In fact, it's that same power working in us. And the reason Angel is here uh, this morning is because he has experienced that power firsthand. Angel, would you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure, sure. Thank you so much for allowing me to uh, share my story. Um, In 2019, My wife and I, we got married. It was amazing. The wedding was great. We went to Cancun. Um, Yeah, it was fantastic. We got back from our trip, and my mom picked us up, and she she gave us the news that she had stage 4 cancer. Uh, She had thyroid cancer. That same Thanksgiving, I was kind of playing with my neck, touching my neck, and I felt like a little lump. And I kind of got concerned, especially after what my mom had told us. So we visited the doctor. And after a a bunch of tests, pretty much, I also had cancer. I had lymphoma. And so uh, it was quite the news. And and so we had to start chemotherapy. And then on top of that, the doctors told us that, hey, you know what? After chemo, you might not be able to have kids anymore. Um, After our first session my wife then actually lost her job and her job was our means of housing so um, because of her job we were able to have a home Um, and now we were uh, homeless, uh, jobless, we had a ton of medical bills stacking up, I was in pain. All of this happened within a six-month span and it was during COVID And, and (laughs) and to top it off I got COVID like really bad. Um, I, I I got re- I got more scared of COVID than my cancer because I ended up in the hospital for four days and like I couldn't breathe and it was just a, a terrible, <laughs> terrible time for us.
1: Wow, that's a lot in a short time in a short period of span. Uh, what was going on in your head? What was going on in your heart in your heart? What was it like to be in Angel's shoes while all that is going on?
2: It was very much like an outer body experience. Like, have you ever has something ever happened to you and you're like, this has to be a dream. Like, we're gonna wake up soon. You know, there were so many nights where I I would just be out of it and in pain, and and you know, my wife would look at me and she would pray for me and like, I'm gonna cry because I love you, Melody. You you kept me going in spite of that that time. But um, it it felt terrible. It felt very hopeless. Um, There were were days where I I just thought like, wow, you know, I might, I might die.
1: Now we know that's not where the story ends or else you wouldn't be here. Right? So give us the good news now.
2: Well, I'm healthy. healthy. (laughs) You can see. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I I, want to share that because of who God is, because of how powerful, you know, in spite of everything that happened, we never ever cursed God, we never gave up on God, we never said you know, forget the church, we were still faithful, we served um, we always believed and we continued to pray and because of how amazing he is, we now live in a beautiful apartment, we bought our first car It's Stellanio, you know like with Um <laughs> uh, I have a great job I'm getting my master's Both my mom and I are cancer free. (laughs) Yeah. And hold on, hold
1: on. And best of all, here's the best for last.
2: And we're having a baby boy.
1: And today we celebrate Easter. The resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? The resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the most historically verifiable event in human history. Did you know that? There's no other event in human history that has more evidence that it happened than the resurrection of Jesus. Let me give you some evidence. Number one, there's the empty tomb. Right? If he didn't rise from the dead, then he would still be in that tomb. Number two... The Bible tells us that there were over 500 people that saw Jesus alive after he had died. Not only that, but we know that the disciples, the 12 followers of Jesus and many others were willing to die because they believed, they were so sure that Jesus had risen from the dead. There aren't many things that you and I are willing to die for, but these guys were and then maybe you're saying, well, pastor, you know, that, that, that evidence is kind of old. We can't really attest to it much. Is there any current evidence? Well, there's my life. My life has been transformed by a living Savior. Yeah. And if you say, well, your life is not that special. You're just a pastor. Okay, what about all the people that just came up here that prove that there is a God that is still alive? Yeah. Amen. I don't know if you knew this, but the resurrection the resurrection is the centerpiece of the Christian faith the resurrection is the cornerstone the foundation if there's no resurrection of Jesus from the grave then our faith is useless it is not Noah's ark the foundation of the Christian faith it's not Jonah and the big fish you thought I was going to say well Jonah and the big fish it is not David and Goliath it's not even the cross It's an empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. When you walked in, you should have received a bulletin. If you didn't get one, I don't know if we have any left. Uh, We do. If you need one, you can raise your hand and they'll bring one to you. Inside of that bulletin, there's an outline. You can pull that out and uh, you can follow along with me. I want to share a few scriptures with you. Let's read one of the resurrection stories. It's found in the gospel of Luke. Luke was a doctor and uh, he, uh, he compiled the story of Jesus and wrote it and it's considered a gospel. Look at what verse 24 verses 1 through 6 says. But very early in the morning. How early? Very early. Very early. For some of you very early is 11 a.m. <laughs> Not that kind of early. Earlier. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them. And we know that those two men were what? Angels. The other gospels tell us that they were angels, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Let me ask you a question. Why were the women terrified? Why were they shocked? Simple. Although Jesus had told them he would resurrect, they didn't believe him. They were people, and the 12 disciples were, because these guys were hiding. They were cowards. They were hiding because they thought that the Roman Empire was going to do the same thing to them that they, they had done to Jesus. So these guys didn't expect it. But suddenly there was something that they were willing to die for and that was the fact that they saw Jesus. Look at what verse 5 says. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the man asked them and here's the question. Here's a question I want us to wrestle with. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. Can we read that last sentence together? One, two, three: He is risen from the dead." You know, if there's a word, if there's a word that is synonymous of Easter, if there's a word that describes Easter, that gives justice to Easter, that would define Easter, is the word "life." There's no other word that gives more justice to the meaning of Easter, like the word. Life, which reminds me of a story. The story says that a family wanted to travel to the Holy Land to Jerusalem, but the mother-in-law insisted on in coming along. Well, while they were out in the Holy Land, the mother-in-law died. So the the man went to a funeral home to try to figure out what arrangements they could make and what they could do. And the funeral home told the man, he says, "There's two options." He says, for $20,000, we can fly your mother-in-law back to America so you can bury her there. Or for $500, we could bury her here. The man, without skipping a beat, he said, I'll pay the $20,000. The funeral home employee looked at him and he said, sir, $20,500 plus. What a great honor to be buried in the Holy Land. He said he looked at the employee for a minute and then he said, yes, I understand that. But I hear that dead people resurrect here in this place and I cannot take that risk with my (laughs) mother-in-law. All joking aside, all joking aside, Jesus certainly resurrected from the dead. And because Jesus resurrected from the dead, there is the promise of the resurrection for us. That's right. You're probably wondering, Pastor, what is the promise of the resurrection? I've never heard of such thing. Here it is. It's really simple. The promise of the resurrection is that because he lives, you and I can also live. Yeah. To which you're probably wondering, but I am alive. No, there's the difference between existing and living. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, 19. He says, Because I live, you will, you, you also will what? Will live. The promise of the resurrection is a promise of life. It is a promise of a life that has power and victory over evil over our bad behavior over our addictive choices over our destructive obsessions it is a life filled with the presence of God where you can know him where you can talk to him where he talks to you and you can hear him where you can sense him where you can love him and where you can enjoy him the the life that the promise of the resurrection offers is a life that is abundant that is fulfilling and that is overflowing And I may not know you, but I know that's the kind of life you want. Nobody wants to be miserable. Nobody wants to make bad choice after bad choice and be set back and back and further and further. We all want to truly live. But see, here's the thing. This kind of life can't be obtained by our own efforts. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. Your good behavior definitely won't give it to you. Your generosity will not earn it for you. Your good conduct will not bring it to you. There's nothing you and I can do to obtain this life. Well, perhaps there's one thing, which is the condition to obtaining this life. Pastor, if this life is available, but we can't get it on our own, then how is the promise of the resurrection obtained? Simple, but very hard. You ready? Here's the condition. It's going to shock you. Some of you may want to walk out, but I want to ask you, don't. Stay with me. Let me explain. The way to get this life is to first die. Before you can live, you must first die. Before God can give you this life, he must first kill you. Stay with me. I'm not talking about a physical death, so don't get scared. Don't run out. For many people, this sounds counterintuitive because they don't understand the vocabulary of God. They don't understand what God means when he speaks about death. Death is not an end. Death is not a ceasing to exist. Death is simply a separation. In fact, we find three types of death in the Bible. Let me tell you quickly what they are the first death that we find that the bible talk about is a physical death and that is the separation from the living when you die you do not cease to exist your 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 spirit and your soul are separated from your body and you can no longer live here in this physical world but you still exist you're separated from the physical the second type of death is a spiritual death and that is a separation from god that is where you can't hear God, where you can't love God, where you can't obey God because you're spiritually dead. You're separated from God. And the worst death of all, it's an eternal death because eternal death is the separation from the living and from God for eternity. For eternity. In order to live, we must die. We must die to what, pastor? How do we need to die? To ourselves. We need to die to ourselves. See, for many people, that doesn't sound attractive because when they think of death, the only thing they, they think about is sadness, is loss, it's an end. But that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. Let me show you two verses so that you can understand this beautiful and powerful principle. In John twelve twenty four, look at what it says. It says, I tell you the truth, Unless, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and it dies, it remains alone. But it's dead will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Unless a kernel dies, there isn't more life. For you to be alive today, something had to die. Whether it was a cow or a fruit or a seed or a fish. But something died so that you could consume it and live. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 36. It says, what you sow does not come to life unless it what? It dies. And the same is true of us. Unless we die, we can't live. Because in the kingdom of God, it is death that unlocks life. That's why Jesus died on Friday. So that on Sunday, he could give us life. Perhaps perhaps this illustration will help you understand this kingdom principle a little bit further. I've been married for 16 years to a beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful woman. Yes. Yes, you can clap. That's about it. You can clap. If I want my marriage to live, if I want my marriage to live... I need to die to every other woman to every woman that is not my wife. Not every woman needs to die. I need to die to every woman. If I want my marriage to live, every woman needs to be dead in my eyes. So that I only have eyes for Lorena. See? Dying to ourselves, dying to our will, dying to our sinful desires, dying to our flawed way of thinking, dying to the sin in our life is the way to life. Perhaps there is no other verse that makes this truth more clear than Colossians 3 verses 1 and 3. Look at what it says in your outline. It says, you have been raised to what? To new life with Christ. For you died to what? this life when you die to this life you can have new life so see this morning god offers life through death because when you're willing to die you ready for this when you're willing to die god can kill your shame God can kill your guilt. God can kill your addictions. God can kill your lack of forgiveness. God can kill anger. God can kill despair. God can kill every ugly thought. That feeling of not being worth, of not being enough. God can kill your remorse, your regret of all the bad things you can do. But he can kill it only when you're willing to die. I think I'm preaching better than you're clapping but that's alright when you choose to die when you choose to die God can kill what you can't kill God can kill the things that are draining you of life God can kill that inability to change the older you get the more you understand that you can't change on your own and that's why you need God God can kill the sin that leads to death. See, you're probably wondering, well, Pastor, why is it that God requires me to die? Well, because we all have a problem, and it's not the economy, it's not the reigning political party, it's not your mother in law, as much as I joke about mother in laws, it's not your boss, it's not your spouse. The biggest problem we have that robs us of life, it's called sin. And we all sin. There isn't one person in this room, including me, as the pastor that doesn't or hasn't sinned look at what the Bible says in Romans 3 23 it says for everyone has sin we all fall short of God's glorious standards everyone has sin let me tell you something it doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian home and you went to Sunday school morning and Bible school uh, some vacation Bible school and if you had Bibles in your house or verses hanging in the walls or if you grew up in a home that would be considered atheist where you didn't believe in God where you didn't care about God it doesn't matter who you are the truth is that we've all sinned. And it is sin that separates us from God. It is sin that robs us of that life that God wants to give us. Look at what Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says right there in your outlines. It says, do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. Let me stop right there. I have to say something. There might be someone in this room or in the chapel or online and you're You're kind of telling yourself, you know, all this is kind of nice, but how tragic, because it's not true. All this Jesus resurrection stuff is just made up. Well, you have the right to think and feel that way. But I would say two things. Just because you don't think it's true, it doesn't mean it's not true. And here's the tension you got to wrestle with. If you choose to believe it's not true and you die and you realize that it was true you have a lot to lose do not be misled you cannot mock the justice of God look at this you will always harvest what you plant those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature nature. If you're not willing to die, is because you're happy doing it your way, which is what robs you of the life that you want. But when you die, God can offer you life. See, our problem is sin. But here's the reason why I'm a Christian. Here's the reason why I come to church. And I believe that there's many people in this room that that's the reason why they come to church. And it's not because we're perfect. We're not. We're not. I'll be the first one to admit I am not. I still got a lot of flaws. And if you don't believe me, just ask my wife or ask my family members. They'll give you a whole list. I don't have it all together. I I, I haven't figured it all out. Some of you, you're saying, God, you know, I'm going to come to you. But first, I want to get my life in order. Let me tell you, you can't. And you won't. And by the way. Say, god i'm gonna to come to you when i get my life in order it's like hiring a cleaning lady but cleaning your house before she comes it's pointless right the reason we come to church is because of this next verse look at this beautiful invitation isaiah 1:8. look at what it says come now let's settle this says the lord though your sins are like scarlet I will make them as white as snow. Though they are, are, though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. There is no sin God can't forgive. There is no sin too deep God cannot cover. There is no sin too wide that God cannot erase. And let me tell you, there is nobody, nobody that cannot receive God's forgiveness this morning and receive life. But he says, you got to come. If you're willing to come and and address this, I'll take care of you. I got you. And the question then becomes, well, how exactly is it that God forgives us and gives us life? How does God forgive me and how does God give me life? Well, you're very smart people. I'm glad you're asking that question. Romans 4.25 gives us the answer. Look at what it says. Because of our sins, he was given over to die. Who is he? Jesus. Jesus. The reason Jesus died on Friday was so that our sins could be forgiven. But look at what he says. And he was raised to life in order to put us right with God. So he died to forgive us and he rose so that we could have life. So see, if you want this life, or maybe you who's watching online, if you want this life, here's what you got to know. You need Jesus. Jesus. If you need Jesus, there is no other way to this kind of life. There is no other way to forgiveness and new life than Jesus. Look at what 1 John five twelve says. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. If you have Jesus, you can have this life. If you reject Jesus, I'm sorry to tell you, You can't have this life. We celebrate Easter. We celebrate Easter. Not because we're remembering what God did. Although it it would be honorable to do that. It would be honorable for us to say, let's get together to celebrate what God did. Please don't miss this. This is what I would want you to walk away with. The reason we celebrate Easter is not because of what God did but the reason we celebrate Easter is because we celebrate what God still does. And that is to give us life. God's promise of life is for everyone and anyone. There's no person in this room. There's no person in the chapel. There's no person online whose offer from Jesus to life is not available for him. It's for everyone and anyone who is willing to die. Because if you're willing to die in exchange, God will give you life. A life that is abundant, a life that is fulfilling, a life of freedom, a life of glory,
0: made possible only because Jesus lives. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, We want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life.